cross immediately to our COVID-19 reporter. The intrepid Piers Cunningham has been out and about looking at all things COVID. Piers, once again, welcome to RPPFM's Peninsula Talks. Good that you can join us, Piers. How are you travelling? Uh, very well, thanks, Brendan. I've just been looking at some numbers, uh, the latest from the uh, Victorian Health Department on COVID today, the 10th of November. And uh, there's just over a 1,000 new cases that have been identified, 1,003, in fact. Sadly, 14 lives lost. There's now 15,031 active cases in the state and uh, 71,000 tests conducted yesterday. So tests are looking good, vaccination levels are looking good, numbers are coming down. Are we over the hump yet, uh, do you reckon, Piers? Well, well, we're going to come to it later. We're going to talk about Russia. But, um, look, I don't think we're over the hump uh, in, a, in the big picture. I don't think the world's over the hump, unfortunately, with the pandemic. I think that you just need to look at what's happening in uh, even countries with quite high vaccination levels. There are still high case numbers and, sadly, high deaths being reported. So... You know, I think we're going to be living with COVID for a while, but certainly in Australia, we do have really encouraging levels now that the national average for double-dose vaccination is over 80%. It's 80.6%. In Victoria, we're at 84.6% double-dosed. We are heading for some changes once we get to the 90% mark in Victoria. In fact, there's finally been some clarity from the government because there was some confusion. You and I discussed this and there was actually conflicting information coming out of Spring Street about exactly what would happen with non-essential retail for unvaccinated shoppers. It has been announced that from about November the 24th, when the state is expected to reach 90% double vaxxed, if you're unvaccinated, you will be excluded from non-essential retail. And this is part of a pattern that's happening not just in Victoria, where uh, those that are unvaccinated are, are feeling the pinch of being excluded from some of the stuff that uh, the vaccinated world is able to do. So I guess then the definition of non-essential retail is probably pretty important. I guess that would be a supermarket and probably other eateries that you might be able to get up to and tap on the window, but that would be about it if you're not double-vaxxed. Yeah, exactly. So shops, supermarkets, and probably, um, I would imagine, chemists and other essential services, which have been, the sort of things which have been open during the Stage 4 lockdown, I guess they will continue to be accessible to people who are unvaccinated. There's also been some uh, updates on, you know, how you... Some, some people are exempt because on medical grounds, and that's, that's fair enough. They're now able to actually be required to, um, to link the the uh, exemption that they've been given from a doctor or medical specialist to their uh, Service Victoria app so that when they scan in, like uh, like the vaccinated world does, it'll actually come up with a, a sort of verified document saying they have an exemption. Well. So, um, you know, it's, it's being automated, but certainly... You know, that the screws are being tightened on people who aren't vaccinated. Well, they are indeed. And I see Dan Andrews getting pretty staunch as well, going to take on the international tennis professionals at this stage as well and basically uh, pointing the big finger at them and saying, if you're not double vaxxed, don't think you're going to game down at Flinders Park this uh, summer. Yeah, and I wonder whether that applies to the Grand Prix as well. I wonder, um, indeed. And uh, big events, I mean, they're under the pump and it's been suggested by those overseas that really if this is kicked into touch again, there's some serious consequences, you know, for the big events capital, which once was Melbourne, of course. Yeah, and I think that that's right. And I think even with just 10,000 at the Melbourne Cup, there are reports of um, some clusters coming out of that. So, unfortunately, even with those very strict number limits and uh, entry requirements, you had to be double vaccinated, you had to pass all sorts of screening on the way into Flemington, 
there have been some cases that have come out of that. So, you know, no, nothing is watertight. You're always going to have a bit of leakage. I mean, I can tell you just from personal experience, it's just anecdotal from uh, on the southern end of the peninsula because it's opened up because there's no more 25k rule. Or there's no restriction of where you can go between uh, Greater Melbourne and regional and it is causing movement of the virus around it. I have heard of um, people we know socially through the local schools and stuff who have been exposed and had to go in, into very uh, quick isolation. Interestingly, what they're now doing at Rosebud, the Rosebud Respiratory Clinic on Point Nepean Road, they're actually doing a rapid antigen test as well as PCR test at the same time. So the benefit of that is that you get a text message after you've been rapid antigen tested within about 20 minutes, which is, it's not sort of the gold standard that PCR is. It doesn't go to a lab. It's a little testing kit which you can now buy in supermarkets. But it does give you an indication of, of, uh, of how you're travelling. And then also you have the PCR test result 24 hours later, which is more reliable. But interesting they're combining those two. I would imagine that they'll be looking at the data they get back pretty closely to try to, you know, to match up the gold standard with this, the newbie, if you like, which is the rapid antigen testing, at least in, uh, in Australia, has been used widely overseas for quite a while now. But in Australia, they'll be looking at that data and comparing how the two results stack up against each other. But I believe rapid antigen testing is actually pretty accurate. In, in most instances, it's a good test. One of the issues with it is, is people doing it at home and actually not doing the test properly. So having a nurse do it for you at a clinic while they're doing the PCR test is a more reliable way to actually gauge how accurate that test is. Indeed, Rosebud Respiratory Clinic, they're certainly on it and uh, get down there and check them out. They've certainly been uh, really heavily involved in this whole campaign all the way through. Um, let's have a quick look over the state borders then, Piers. See that the numbers coming in from Queensland now, 80% double vaxxed up there. And New South Wales, of course, a couple of days ago hitting that 90% double vax. They've certainly led the way, certainly got the edge on Victoria in the way that they've been able to roll out the vaccines over over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. And they've also got lower daily numbers than we have. They've been uh, sort of down in the, you know, well below 500 uh, for a while now, so it makes it easier. There's less spread of the virus going on. Um, you know, how much you can tie that to the, the vaccination level, I guess that there is a link, but exactly how that link works, I, for one, don't know. But uh, the ACT now has achieved apparently greater than 95% double vaccination. So that is the, the Australian Capital Territory and certainly the capital for vaccination levels in the country. Queensland languishing at 67.4%, South Australia 70, just over 70%, WA 66.8%, Northern Territory 669 and Tasmania pretty high. The Apple Isle 78.7% double vax as they get close to that 80% mark. So we're travelling well in Oz. Let's go across the Tasman quickly because, of course, New Zealand at one stage was a sort of gold standard in terms of sort of putting up the walls around the beautiful castle, which was, of course, being oversighted by Jacinda Ardern. Looks like community transmissions are beginning to sort of flourish a little bit over there. Restrictions coming off last night, midnight as well. But the key was having a little bit of a struggle and a number of them as well beginning to get a little bit restive under the restrictions. So restrictions may be coming off at the right time. It's probably a good political move by Ardern. Yeah, that's right. I think uh, Greater Auckland's been in pretty tight lockdown for a while now, so they are talking about uh, ratcheting back those restrictions a bit. You know, they've still got a problem over there. They have changed their whole approach to it, like Victoria did a while ago. They've given up on the idea of elimination. They're learning to live with the virus as the rest of the world is. Uh, and um, they've got a fair few people in hospital 
but they're getting their vaccination levels up. So, you know, look, compared with most places, New Zealand's done very well, even now with the Delta outbreak they've got in the capital city there. But surprisingly, their vaccination rates are low compared to what we're doing over here. I think they were caught on the hop a little bit over there, probably, you know, resting a little bit on their laurels. They did so well in the early sections. But really, the basket case at this stage, Piers, is if we're looking overseas, it's Russia. It seems like it's got an absolutely outrageous situation on its hands there. There's people dying all over the place. Are you seeing those reports? Yeah, I am. Unfortunately, it's it's very widespread over there, and um, they've had about 8.7 million cases during the course of the pandemic and, well, the official figures of 243,000 deaths. But there is suggestion that uh, the official data could be three to four times underestimated. That might be for political reasons, but because of the data isn't shared properly around the country through lack of communication, that sort of thing. It was all being put down mainly to a... Uh, serious lack of uh, confidence and hesitancy in getting vaccinated and lack of faith in the Russian Sputnik vaccination that's on offer over there. Indeed. And also, I just was picking up another story that I saw just briefly coming into the studio here this morning as well. Seems to be some sort of hesitancy about the Chinese vaccine as well up there in China, because they too have got some serious problems on their hands. They've got blackouts at the moment. They're trying to get the uh, skies clear ahead of the Winter Olympic Games, but COVID is a little bit of a threat as well. They're locking down people all over the shop. Yeah, well, we had that story we talked about, I think it was last week, where, where they uh, they shut down uh, the, the Disneyland in Shanghai. Over one case and 30,000 people weren't allowed to leave until they'd all been tested. So, yeah, the Chinese take it pretty seriously. They, they obviously do want to go into a, a good situation with, when they welcome international athletes for the Winter Games next year. That's not far away, it's just early next year. So they've got every reason to want to clamp down on it. They also like to keep their factories open. They've done very well to date in containing COVID within the country through very tough measures and restrictions and lockdowns and that sort of thing. I'm sure, yeah, ahead of the Games, they'd be wanting to make things as, uh, as clean as possible. Okay, interesting days ahead. So I guess the next big hurdle for us will be just how they do treat the, as far as sport is concerned, at least how they do treat the Aussie Open. We'll be watching that one very, very closely indeed. Daniel Andrews uh, certainly, as I said, getting pretty staunch yesterday and uh, letting us know that uh, if you ain't vaxxed, you're not going to be playing at uh, Flinders Park this summer. Piers, thank you so much indeed. Piers Cunningham, our intrepid COVID-19 reporter, will book you for next week if we make...